You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. They needed encouragement. Scripture after scripture after scripture. Paul would send Timothy sometimes with the express purpose of just letting a church know how Paul and the ministry was doing and to encourage them. He'd send Tachikas and sometimes do the very same thing. You find it over and over again. I love places too like 1 Thessalonians. You want some encouragement? Encouragement. By the way, one of the best places to find encouragement is the Word of God. Do you need some encouragement today? Well, you've come to the right place. Keep listening. Pastor Danny is going to take us to many places in Scripture where you'll find believers sharing hope and joy when it's desperately needed. Maybe today you find yourself at a place where you need some of that too. Your spirits need a little lifting, and you can't seem to find that anywhere. Well, don't look for it in the world around you. Come to the source of strength that you truly need. Come to Jesus, come to the Bible, and renew your faith. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 with today's edition of The Living Word. Being someone great for God and doing great exploits in His name has a price tag attached to it, and that price tag is strength, courage, and endurance. The path of following Jesus Christ is paved with tough times, if you're worth your salt. And Timothy's experienced that now, and Timothy has pulled back. He is, listen, he's discouraged. It means to deprive of courage, confidence, or energy to inhibit keeps you from moving on. Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever been discouraged? Don't raise your hand. Anybody discouraged today? I was discouraged Friday when I went to bed. I was really discouraged. Then I woke up thinking about the same thing that discouraged me Friday night. I woke up Saturday morning and I was discouraged. Not because I'm sick. I wasn't discouraged because I'm sick. But before I tell you why, I was discouraged. Because I know that's what you're thinking. What, what, what were you discouraged about, Pastor Dan? I spent at least a couple of hours the other day just looking at scriptures related to encouragement, and I was so encouraged that my God is an encourager. He's not a discourager. He's an encourager. Uh, Deuteronomy, I'm just going to go through some of these. I couldn't give you even a quarter of all that I went through. We just don't have the time this morning. But Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 37, related to Moses. Because of you, Moses says, the Lord became angry with me. And he said, you shall not enter it, the promised land. But, verse 38, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him. Encourage him. Because he will lead Israel to inherit it. In other words, Moses, don't get bent out of shape because your mistake keeps you from going into the land of promise. And I'm going to use your servant. He's going to lead the people. You don't get an attitude. You encourage him. 
Chapter 3 of Deuteronomy, verse 28. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land. Judges, chapter 20. Judges, chapter 20. Don't have time to give you the background, but the Israelites are fighting against some of their brothers, the Benjamites. And they go out in the first battle, verse 21, the Benjamites came out of Gibeah and cut down 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. That's discouraging. But the men of Israel encouraged one another and again took up their positions where they had stationed themselves the first day. And they go out the second time. They could have quit. They could have just said, there's no way we can do this. Look how many people died. But they didn't. They encouraged one another. And encouraging one another, they went back into battle, and God gave them a great victory. 2 Chronicles, chapter 32. 2 Chronicles 32, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and his vast army is coming against Israel. Hezekiah is the king, and Hezekiah now, knowing uh, the army that's coming against him and his people, he makes preparations. And verse 6, part of the preparations, he appointed military officers over the people, and he assembled them before him in the square at the city gate. And he encouraged them with these words, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there's a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Israel, said. They were encouraged. Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 15, after the council of elders in the church met in Jerusalem to discuss and debate what some Christians were saying and Christian leaders saying, well, it's okay to believe in Jesus. We know that he is the Messiah, but that's not enough. You've got to be circumcised too, according to the law of Moses. They debated the issue. They came to a, a right conclusion. They write a letter to the Gentile churches. And when they chose the men that were to take the letter. Verse 30 of chapter 15, the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. They needed encouragement. Scripture after scripture after scripture. Paul would send Timothy sometimes with the express purpose of just letting a church know how Paul and the ministry was doing and to encourage them. He'd send Tachikas and sometimes and do the very same thing. You find it over and over again. I love places too like 1 Thessalonians. You want some encouragement? Encouragement. By the way, one of the best places to find encouragement is the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I asked, what, a week or two ago in a message, I asked uh, if you lost someone that you know and, uh, to death, and so many people raised their hands. So many people. I love 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers, verse 13, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That's the way God describes believers who die. Now, just their body is asleep. They're with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Their bodies will be resurrected one day. We believe Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And then he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
Miss my mother still today. Miss my grandmother still today, but I know where they are. I'm going to see them again. I don't grieve without hope. I still grieve, but I don't grieve without hope. I grieve with hope and a solid hope. Not I hope I'm going to see again. I hope. It's a solid hope. I know I'm going to see him again. How can you be at peace? Unless you have hope beyond this life. How can you know you're going to say goodbye to the husband you love? Unless you know you're going to see him again. How can you be at peace unless you have a firm confidence that you know where he's going and you know you'll be with him again one day? What a hope. You talk about encouragement. Listen to the way Romans 15 puts it. Romans 15 and verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. You know what? There's somebody right here, right now, you don't have that hope. You don't have it. Because because if you're honest with yourself, and be honest with yourself, you know you've never really been born again. You may know all about Jesus. You may have grown up in the church. Or you may, who knows, maybe it's your first time in the church. And who knows what your background is. It doesn't matter your background. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Stop playing Russian roulette with your soul. Why don't you get off the fence of life and get on board a one-way ticket to heaven. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're here this morning. God's speaking to you right now. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to. And no, no half-heartedness here now. You, you're either going to jump in with everything or don't jump in. Don't go half-hearted. Say no to your life and say no to anything in this life that would keep you from eternal life. Come on. That's you. Come on. Let's get serious about it. Let's bow our heads. Come on. Bow your head. And that's you. God's speaking to you. You pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. God's listening. He hears your heart. You say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you the rest of this life. In Jesus' name, amen. My God's a God of encouragement, I'll tell you. I I was so discouraged Friday night when I went to bed. And then Saturday morning I woke up and I was discouraged about the very same thing. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. But I'm still so imperfect. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for not saying amen. (laughs) I appreciate that. We're out to dinner, my wife and uh, some friends Friday night, and we're all going to an event together after dinner. And so we have a time schedule to keep. And we went to this restaurant, second time we've been to it. But uh, the restaurant was very crowded. So I'm wondering, you know, should we go somewhere else? We stayed there because I noticed a table outside. There were tables outside, too. And there was a table outside, and there was only one couple sitting at it, but it would seat six. And there were four of us, and so I went up to the gentleman at the table and the lady, and I said, uh, I said, would you mind if me and my, my friends join you? You don't even have to talk to us. And they not only invited us to join them, they said, no, we invite you to converse with us too. And so we had some new friends. 
and a waitress let us order and become a part of their party, and so we're back on track in terms of time. And as we talked, church came up, and um, uh, the guy immediately said, I'm Catholic, but I don't go to church. And I said, well, really? He said, yeah, there's too many hypocrites there. And my classic line, I could have used at that point, I didn't use, because I, you know my classic line there is, well, where do you, else do you expect to find hypocrites? And that's where hypocrites are. They're in the church, okay? Don't be surprised to go to church and find hypocrites. Golly. And so he continued to talk, and he, he reminded me a couple of times that he's an intelligent person. He had told us about books he's read and books his wife has read, and they, and they do books actually by listening to them. They listen to audio books and talking about some of these. And, then he, you know, he reminded me, again, a couple of times he's an intelligent person. But the more we talk, the more his conversation contradicted that confession. <laughs> then we got to talking about the Bible. I don't know where mine went. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You can't have it back because it's defiled now. <laughs> that one just disappeared. It's back there somewhere. So um, the topic of the Bible came up, and he immediately had a, opinions about the Bible. And uh, they weren't good opinions. And he went on, and I, I, I said, wait a minute. I said, the Bible's not just a book. He said, well, it was written 2,000 years ago. And I said, yeah, but the very Bible itself, it says it's the Word of God. It, confesses, it, it claims to be the Word of God. And just the prophecies alone, just the prophecies alone prove that it's the most unique book in all the world. Well, I'm starting to get a little riled, and uh, I needed to go to the restroom. It was a perfect time, so I got up to go to the restroom. One of my friends thought I was just mad, and, uh, but I had to go to the restroom. It was a good time to go, and while I'm in the restroom, I thought the Lord had given me something to close the conversation with, and uh, I was a little surprised, but I was willing, and so I went back, and we're, we're now pushed for time, and I know I only got a few minutes with this guy. And so I looked him in the eye and said, Sir, I don't know if you'll ever come visit our church. We'd invited him to the church. I don't know if you ever will. I may never see you again. So could I say a couple of things to you before I leave because I may never get to talk to you again? And he listened, and I said, You're a hypocrite. Boy, were we bonding at that point. <laughs> And then he went on again and went on again. And I said, wait a minute, have you ever read the Bible? He says, no, I've never read it. I said, well, you're stupid. You're stupid to have such a strong opinion about a book that you have never read. And now we're bosom buddies. He got up. He gave me some choice words that I cannot repeat here. And then he stormed off. And now we're sitting there, and I mean, it was just awkward. And his wife is sitting there embarrassed, and she finally got up and said, see ya. <laughs> so I don't know what she said. And then I'm sitting there with my wife and my friends. And my wife's been kicking me under the table, you know, because she knows where I'm headed with this thing. And I just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. Finally, I got up just after a few seconds, got up, and I went in the parking lot to try to find this guy and his wife to apologize. And I couldn't find him. And I felt awful. I went to bed that night, and I thought, you're a pastor, and you just called a guy a hypocrite, and you also called him stupid. One of my friends said, yeah, you called him stupid twice. <laughs> and we get in the car, and our friends are meeting us at the event, and my wife's with me in the car, and so on the way to the event, I'm thinking, and I'm starting to justify it. I'm starting to think, well, maybe he needed somebody to call him a hypocrite. Maybe he needed somebody to call him stupid. Maybe nobody, he said nobody's ever done that. He said, especially a pastor. 
And I started thinking, well, John the Baptist, when they came out to be baptized, and he said, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. Jesus certainly wasn't uh, kind to the Pharisees. I mean, he, he said, you've whitewashed tombs. You clean the outside, but on the inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Paul the apostle uh, said to the high priest, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. And then he realized it by the high priest, and he apologized for addressing the high priest that way. But, but there are situations where even godly people have said things that weren't very nice. And so I'm struggling with this thing. I'm struggling. I'm feeling awful. And then on the other side of me, I'm going, well, I felt like the Lord wanted me to say that to the guy. So I get up Saturday morning, have my devotions, have my time of prayer, have my time of Bible reading on my own. And I'm using two different devotionals after my time in the Word. I'm using two different devotionals. One's a brand new one given to me by my friend. And then even though I've been through this one many times before, I felt led to use this again, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Great devotional. And so you go to the date, and you get this, get this. Our Lord must be repeatedly astounded at us, astounded at how unsimple we are. It is opinions of our own which make us stupid. It's right there. It is opinions of our own that make us stupid. Now, I'm still not 110% confident the Lord said that to me. But I sure was encouraged. <laughs> How can you make that up? What's the point? How are we going to land this thing? Back to the text. We've got to finish the text. You know what Paul does after he exhorts and encourages Timothy? Look at verse 11. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I've believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Evidently, Phygelus and Hermogenes were so committed that they were surprised. Paul was surprised that they deserted him. Did you catch what he's saying in these few verses? The first 10 verses, he exhorts Timothy, he encourages him. You fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. Because I know you're real. I know your faith is sincere. I know you're really a Christian. Timothy, and he exhorts him to get back out there, get back on the front lines. And then you know what he does here? He gives himself as an example. And what he's saying to Timothy is, Timothy, I know what you're feeling. Don't you think I don't know what you're feeling? I know what it is to feel alone. I don't know what it is to feel deserted. You know, sometimes... You look at people with different personalities and different makeups, and Timothy and Paul were very different. And Timothy might have been tempted to look at Paul and say, I could never be like him. He's so bold. He's so strong. He's so courageous. I could never be like him. And sometimes you get the wrong notion that because that person seems so confident and full of faith and courage and always out there fighting the Goliaths, that they don't feel the same pain you feel. That is a lie. That's a lie. I feel the exact same pain you do. I get discouraged just like you do. I have fear at times to share Christ because I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be talked about. I want to be cool. I want to be accepted. And you stick a pin in my arm, I feel the exact pain that you feel if you stick a pin in your arm. Now notice how he closes it. This is fascinating to me. Verse 16, may the Lord show mercy to the household 
of Onesiphorus. You ever heard a message on Onesiphorus? I ought to do one sometime. Because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he came to Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. You read the ministry of Paul and you find times where an angel of God would actually appear to him and encourage him. Paul, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking in the city because i got a lot of people here. And so Paul stayed a year and a half in that city because God promised him through this angel that he wasn't going to get beat up. You want to stay a long time there, as long as you can. I've never had an angel appear to me. I know I have angels. We all do. Every one of us has at least one angel that God's assigned to us. That's what Scripture talks about. But I've never seen an angel. I, I long to. But you know where my encouragement has come from? Other Christians. Other saints. I want to be an encourager. Because my God is an encourager. Paul needed encouragement. Just as much as Timothy needed encouragement. Let me blow your mind. Did you know Jesus needed encouragement? You know, after the temptation in the wilderness, 40 days, you know what the Bible tells us after that temptation? Angels came and ministered to him. They encouraged him. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will. And then he sweat as though it were great drops of blood. And after that experience, here's what it says, angels came and ministered to him. Even Jesus because he's God-man, he needed encouragement. Here's how we're going to close, very simply. I want you to just be honest. Because, listen, every single one of us gets discouraged. And there are all kinds of different reasons you can be discouraged. You can be discouraged because you blew it. You can be discouraged because you failed. You can be discouraged because you lost someone that you love in life. You lost a spouse. You lost a son. You lost a daughter. You lost a mom or a dad. Lots of different reasons to be discouraged. You could be discouraged because in your calling, in the ministry God's called you to right now, it's been tough lately. So tough that you've actually cried more than once, like Timothy. Lots of different reasons to be discouraged, and all of us get discouraged. There's no shame in being discouraged as long as we don't continue to be discouraged because God's an encourager. I'm going to say one last word that I think the Lord wants to say, and I'm not going to prolong it. The most common way God encourages us as Christians is not by angels appearing to us. Now, maybe you've had an angel appear to you. And that, praise the Lord if you have, but I never have. The most common way God encourages us is through other believers. Now, listen, as we leave, God wants to say to some Christian and maybe several of you today, you know, all you're doing is coming and attending church, and you can be encouraged just by coming to the church service. Hebrews talks about that. Encourage one another, and don't forget, forsake the meeting together, the assembling of yourselves together. God wants us in relationship with other Christians. Get involved with some ministry. Get involved with some life group. Get involved with some small group Bible study, okay? So that you can not only be encouraged, because Jesus wants to always encourage us, but sometimes he can't get to us because the most common way to get to us is through another believer. But he not only wants to encourage us, he wants us to become encouragers. And that word is used in so many ways. It's used to meet a financial need. It's used to come alongside to assist. It's used to just speak a word. That's the word they needed to hear for that moment. 
It's used in lots of different ways, lots of ways we can encourage one another. You've been listening to another edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. The Living Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. We're so glad that you took the time today to learn more from the book of 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul wrote some very wise words and advice to Timothy, encouraging him to keep pressing on to a greater goal than the things even in this world. This is a timely word for you today. Don't get stuck in a rut of worries or allow the world to squash your hopes down in despair. Keep pushing forward towards a goal and a prize that Jesus wants to gift to you. If you enjoyed hearing from Pastor Danny today and would like to listen to other teachings, feel free to visit our teaching archive at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab. If you don't yet have a church to call home, we would love to have you join us. Calvary Chapel Fellowship meets on Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Feel free to come just as you are. If you're unable to be with us in person, you're always welcome to join us in our live stream services. Find the link to that as well as our YouTube channel on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's it for today, but thanks for tuning in with Pastor Danny to learn more from the book of 2 Timothy as we dive into The Living Word.